to be a podcast. Hello, listeners. I'm Zach. And I'm Valina. And we're just a couple of horror fans making a horror podcast. Welcome to This House Was Never Meant to Be a Podcast. We're going to be covering all of the horror anthology shows that we can get our hands on. And did we really wait two months to time this episode with the holiday? Maybe. Sure, it's my head cannon. <laughs> Although I do want to mention, thanks to all the preemptive fireworks going on outside, you might hear said fireworks, and you may also hear our little dog reacting to the fireworks. We'll try to edit out as much of the noise as we can, but a lot of it will slip through the cracks, and you may be hearing explosions in the background. And today, we will be continuing Tales from the Dark Side with the episode, If the Shoes Fit. In this episode, there are a grand total of four characters to keep track of. We have our main character, Bo Gums, who is played by Dick Sean, who you might have known as the Snow Miser in The Year Without a Santa Claus. And he's not as charming as a Snow Miser, but he is very likable, even though he's also very despicable. There's... His campaign manager, Louie, who's played by Harry Goss. Peter, who is the bellhop and the second main character of this episode. He's played by John, and I'll probably pronounce this wrong, Zarchin? Zarkin? It's apparently a Russian last name, and I don't know how to pronounce it, so hopefully I didn't butcher that too badly. And Mimi, who's played by Catherine Ann Hayes. And Mimi is the main. Speaking of Mimi, she's actually the first character that we're introduced to in this episode. The scene opens with a painting on the wall depicting some kind of patriotic event, probably in the 1800s. I, I don't know the painting exactly, so it's a, more of a rough estimate of what I'm looking at. I don't but... even know what the painting depicts. <laughs> it looks almost like a boat, but I can't actually tell. <laughs> It's like a mess of things, but I think there's like an American flag tossed into the corner, so you know it's patriotic, but for uh, the life of me, I can't tell what I'm looking at. So it is a painting of some variety, presumably of an event in the 1800s, presumably, and we see a feather duster enter the scene as we discover that this is a painting in a hotel room. And the maid is dusting everything in the room, where then she swoops to a fruit basket yes it's like a easter basket filled with fruit yeah and we find this out later or at least i did that it is a fruit basket for a political candidate Bo gums who is the main character of this episode and this is where the funniest gag is set up <laughs> yes it's build up for a payoff mimi the maid grabs an apple from this fruit basket and she takes a bite and then she hears people coming so she puts the apple back into the fruit basket with the bite facing away from the outside. This is important. Tuck <laughs> that away in your brain for a minute and we'll get back to that. <laughs> so she goes to open the door and we hear two people behind the door before it opens. And when we see it open, we see a man in a suit who is presumably Bo Gums based on the fact that he has this giant gums button on his shirt and the bellhop who we find out his name is peter 
And he's wearing like a light blue suit. And I don't remember if he's wearing a boater hat. Bo Gums is wearing the suit. <laughs> yeah, the bellhop is wearing like a red bellhop suit. Yeah. But is Bo Gums wearing a hat? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I might be just imposing a hat on his head since I found out he was a snow miser. So, because uh, he's wearing light blue, he actually is the same color as a snow miser, which is just a coincidence. He even has funny. the same haircut. Exactly. It's pretty funny. So, he enters the room and he almost bumps into her and he basically says, well, aren't you the sweetest roadblock I ever did bump into? Or something like that. Yeah, like... Some weird backhanded compliment, I believe the saying is. Yeah, that's the only kind of compliment he gives. Especially to Mimi, Mm -hmm. who really doesn't deserve it. No, she takes the brunt of a lot of his backhanded compliments. So he ends up asking her her name, and she says that her name is Mary, but everybody calls her Mimi? Actually, I think she said her name was Mary Ann. Hmm. I heard Mary the first time too, but upon sequential watchings, she actually says Marianne. Hmm. But they call her Mimi, I guess. Mm. I mean, I don't know if that's really a nickname for it, but. You know, I mean, sure. t- theoretically, Mimi is a nickname for any M beginning name. See, I didn't even know Mimi was a nickname. I thought it was just like a legitimate name. It's like the nickname Happy. It's just a widely applicable nickname. I mean, I know people named Mimi. <laughs> But are you sure that's her actual name? I mean, I guess not. (laughs) So he says in response to the discovery of this name that that is a small name for a lady of such sizable stature or something. Yeah. Backhanded compliment. (laughs) Yeah, he he had to just add that instead of just saying she was the cutest robot block he'd ever met. He had to like add like a little jab about her weight. Uh Uh-huh. Which, in case you didn't know, she's a little hefty. In case you couldn't tell by the and just by hearing her name and the considering we didn't her. badgering of backhanded compliments, yeah. uh, she is a little larger than life. So we then end up moving on, and he tells her that he's running for governor, and we discover what kind of candidate he really is. He's running for governor. And then he gives her, like, a pin like he was giving her a tip. A tip. Like, here's a little something for your trouble. And he hands her... A bow gums pin. Yeah, so he's basically giving her just an advertisement. Like, her tip is to basically work for him for free. Like, a uh, little bit extra outside of just having to be the maid. So he hands her some, like, pins and little banners and stuff that all are his voting stuff. And then he asks her... To fetch their finest bourbon. This is another important detail. Keep that tucked away. He then asks for the bellhop's name, and the bellhop tells him his name's Peter. Fun fact, this isn't the only time that actor has played a Peter. He has played other Peters in the past. Just imagine a face that would be named Peter, and it's probably him. So... I'm not sure he's played a Peter that many times. No, I'm saying think of an archetypical face for a Peter. And then you have Peter in this episode. So Bogums asks if Peter can hang a poster on the hotel room wall. And this is really weird. It's magic. Not just the fact that he can hang it without putting up any kind of glue. Because I think sometimes those posters are like, they have like a thermal paste that if you rub them, it warms up the glue and then it makes it sticky. That just sounds like magic to me. It, it basically is. But first of all, why hang a poster in your own room? 
And second of all, why a bedroom? If you're going to put posters anywhere, put them in the halls where people are going to be passing through where there's traffic. There's no traffic in your hotel room. I mean, ideally. (laughs) And third of all, why just in your own room? You are the candidate. You don't need your advertisement in your own bedroom. Well, actually, I think Pierre still had a poster with him. So I think he was actually supposed to be hanging more in the lobby, which again is kind of weird. He probably could have done that, but I feel like that would have been something that would have done beforehand. At least maybe nowadays where you could just send that stuff ahead of time. Maybe that would be more inconvenient then. Like, you know, way back in the old 80s. But, I'm, pretty uh, sure, I'm pretty sure they could have done that back in the 80s and whenever time this episode was set in. I'm pretty sure you could just send like a telegram or whatever and say, hey, candidates coming to visit this town. They planned this, keep in mind. Yeah. So they could have set up the posters then. And then by the time he arrives, everything's all plastered with his face. <laughs> but they didn't do that. Yeah. He himself does this. Of course, it's also a really small town, and he mentions this quite a bit, that it's a small town. And, of course, it's one thing he mentions to Mimi when he gives her all the penance and like little things to hand out to people in the lobby is he also mentions that there is no one in the lobby, and he wasn't even sure there was more people working there. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like it because he thinks that's just creepy and weird, but it's also kind of implied that that could be because it's a small town that they wouldn't have a whole lot of visitors in so that there was nobody inside the hotel as well as the fact that they didn't really need a lot of workers because it's really just you only see peter and mimi now when he hangs the poster on the wall we get a look at the kind of candidate that Bo gums is he's nixon <laughs> <laughs> yes he's doing the nixon peace pose with Bo Gums, the happy candidate. And I want to get into that poster description later because I feel like this is a very odd detail that doesn't quite line up with the rest of the episode. Yeah, and it's probably important too because they actually show that poster as well as the same poster in his campaign manager's office like a couple of times. So they are actually trying to let you see what the poster shows you. Exactly. And speaking of campaign manager's office, Bo Gums makes a call to his campaign manager, our fourth and final character for this episode, Louis. And this is like right after he kicks Peter out. He tells him, does the phone ring or does he actually- He calls. Okay, so he basically kicks Peter out. He says, oh, I'll give you up one of my buttons later. Thank you, sir. (laughs) But he kicks him out to make the phone call. So he actually think you hear the door close too. Like he leaves. So he calls- and we get to see Louis's desk. Louis is a campaign manager. <laughs> yes, the campaign manager. He has, and I kid you not, three different mugs filled with pens, an ashtray loaded with like four or five cigar butts, and he has like three telephones on his desk. He's a and, busy, busy man. And he also has a water tank what what are those called the, like water, the water cooler yeah water cooler right behind his desk so i'm assuming there's more than just that one in the whole office because that would suck he's hogging it all for himself no if all of the employees are constantly behind him while he's working on his desk yeah but he's also still in the small town because mm-hmm. of well, you find out later, but he's actually in the small town right now. So there might not actually be any room in that office. So he may be taking up free space. And they're like, yeah, we need to put the water cooler for the entire office right behind you because there's no other space back here. Don't know if it's true, but it's kind of funny to think about because he's a very, very stressed out dude. So he calls 
his campaign manager, and we end up finding out that Bo Gums is really made uncomfortable by this hotel, right? It's super eerie. No one's there, save for like two people, which I feel like maybe if, and I feel like this kind of leads into something that is more theory based later. If it's like a very small building and there's only two people working there, you don't get the sense that there's nobody there as much as you would if it was a large building with the same amount of employees. Of course, we're only ever in Bo's room, mm-hmm. so it, it's hard well, to tell. Well, we're also how... in the campaign manager's office, too. Those yeah. are the only two locations we've really... But, three, but... But with regards to the actual hotel, we only see his bedroom, and it would be really bizarre if people were, like, tromping in and out of there that yeah. were not, like, the room service, you know? So we only really get it from Bo's observations that the hotel is empty. We don't actually see it for ourselves. So he mentions that he's very creeped out by this and that he wants his ride as soon as possible. His limousine. And Louis tells him that they got people that he's supposed to meet with. He's got reporters who want to hear his stance on issues. And Bo tells him, just cancel them. Just put them off. Just set them aside. And Louis is super upset by it. He's like, what are you doing? Like, we can't just step in here and then just leave without having meetings. And then Bo Gums basically says, I'm just here for the barbecue. You know my stance on issues like this. I'm the happy candidate that he doesn't really want to talk about that. So he wants to make the voters feel good to gain votes. And talking about nasty subjects, as he would put it, would basically discourage people from wanting to vote for him. Because if they only associate this candidate with happy and good memories, then they'll be more likely to vote for him. So his idea is that he really wants them to think of him as like a friend. So, oh, they're voting for a friend as opposed to like, oh, a political candidate. Except for the fact that he's like forgetting that he's running for governor and people do in fact want you to be a candidate and not a friend, right? Because Mm. this stuff is important. (laughs) Exactly. And And that's an important theme with this. Yeah. And when Louis is responding to Bo saying this stuff, he's like, you know what kind of candidate I am? And he turns to the picture and it's the same poster that he hung on this wall which is the nixon pose (laughs) he looks at it and says yeah i do but in a very kind of disappointed sounding like voice he's not really happy with the fact that he's ignoring talking about issues because in that second it almost sounds like he knows he's not gonna win the campaign just Mm -hmm. because of the fact he's dodging this stuff so it kind of gives you a hint into how Louis sees this whole campaign, as well as, of course, the exact ideas that Bo has about what politics even is. Then he hangs up on Louis and he somehow misses the phone itself because this is the older phones that have the receiver that you put on top of the phone to hang up. And he kind of hangs up, but the phone kind of flops off and Peter grabs the phone and puts it back on the receiver. Well, you don't see Peter at first. You actually just see gloved hands grabbing the phone as it falls and then sticking it back. And his face is not actually in view. And for a split second, it comes off as really intimidating, almost threatening. And then the camera kind of pulls up and you see it's Peter. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, not scary. We were scared for a second because you're, you know, explicitly only from Bo's point of view because he doesn't see Peter's face. He just sees gloved hands grabbing it. 
And they're like spotless white gloves that he's wearing. It's kind of interesting for a bellhop. I mean, I know they would be wearing it, but like dust? Yeah, like I don't it would know. get dirty real quick. So this takes Bo by surprise, of course. He basically tells him like, I thought you left. Well, I'm glad you didn't because I got to show you what this is all about and what stuff. Politics like that. is all about the true meaning of politics. Exactly. So he sits him down and he's like, "You want to know about what politics really is, son?" And I need to take this moment. This is when you really feel it. That there is a weird level of like overacting to some degree. It's so painfully obvious with how he reacts to it. It, it makes it seem very insincere. Are you talking about Peter? Yes, with Peter's kind yeah. of reaction to certain things. He acts very... He, he, the best here's... way to put it is Mark Wahlberg in The Happening. <laughs> like, what? No. Yeah. That That is basically how Peter acts for a lot of this episode. Oh. And I feel it's to a point. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a good example. If you've ever worked customer service and you have to put like your sort of fake, I'm totally interested in what you're saying face on. That is exactly the face Peter's making. He's like, this guy is just going on and on. And you think there's something a little wrong with him. But I'm going to smile and pretend to be interested anyway. That is the way Peter is behaving. And of course, Bo is kind of acting really weird. Like, I mean, uh, it would be very far off the mark to be calling him clownish at this point. Mm -hmm. But... He's, like, yelling and saying, like, really bizarre things, which, I mean, honestly would lose your vote. He mm. likes to think that this is, like, helping him become buddy-buddy with him, but he's, he's like, yelling. He, like, rips his, you know, bow tie off his neck and is, like, holding it over his head like a Naruto headband. <laughs> it, it just, nothing that he's doing makes a whole lot of sense. Uh-huh. And he's acting like he's drunk already, even though he's not had any well, he's uh, What he's doing is he's trying to visually showcase the excitement of all of the showmanship that he does for his campaigns. He's showing off parades and the kind of carnival-esque shouting out oh, popcorn get your popcorn here and all of that jazz it's all painting a mental picture in peter's mind of this kind of parade carnival festival type of thing that his campaign rallies are it really shows who he is as like a person and as a candidate he straight up says Life is a stage that only the best actors win. And he says this to Peter. And he actually, I think almost immediately after that, he actually turns to Peter and says, you know what I mean, son? And of course, Peter's like... You understand the way things really are. Yeah, yeah. And Peter says... Oh, yes, Mr. Gumser. I know exactly what you mean. And it's very Wahlberg in the happening, (laughs) like for real. (laughs) I think that's the best way to describe it. That's straight up how he acts. Like, Peter's actually really funny in this. Just his, like, body language. Like, he's, like, sitting kind of cross-legged on the chair. He's just, like, nodding, like, over... Kind of, like, overly interested, but in a way that's very insincere, like Zach Yeah, like, he's either, like, talking to a customer or he's talking to a kid. Mm -hmm. You're really hamming it up to really sell them your reaction. Uh Uh-huh. And it's it's pretty entertaining considering how Bo Gums is actually outdoing him. 
right? Because Bo Gums is really acting kind of wild. <laughs> so it makes Peter seem a lot more subtle just by comparison, even though technically speaking, had Peter been speaking to somebody who was acting normally, he would have seemed way more over the top than he does in comparison. And to say that the Snow Miser is the calmed down <laughs> version of one of this guy's characters, it really says something. Yeah, the Snow Miser <laughs> is like looking at this dude and saying, hey, yo, chill. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's too good. So Bo Gums goes on to say that there are too many, what was it, like pointy-headed something? Pointy-headed eggheads or like nerds or he basically thinks he's- Pointy-headed was a very descript yeah, thing that he said. He's basically saying that there's too many smart people in the capital nowadays and they just talk about topics that bring people down. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, I find that hilarious considering, like, modern times where, uh, God, I wish that were true. Yeah, But, you know, 80s, I guess. So, um, he just wants everyone to feel happy and talk about good things. And, God, I wish that were true. (laughs) I don't even think that was true for the 80s. What do we have, like, Ronald Reagan, who was an actor for, like, 20-some years? (gasps) Oh, my God! This is about Ronald Reagan! (laughs) Dude, he's supposed to be Ronald Reagan. He said life is a stage and only the best actors win. This is a scathing episode about Ronald Reagan. That's what this is. I I cannot believe it. But why the Nixon pose? You know, I have no idea. Like, maybe it's it's talking about the party in general, right? Because both Reagan and Nixon are like. We need to save this for the theory half of this. True, true, true. We'll get back into that. I just thought of it now, so now (laughs) I'm all excited. So his speech is interrupted by Mimi returning with the bourbon. And then he makes a very telling comment to Peter that he's going to show him how to talk to the little people. Now, I got to point this out. How he handles the little people. Yeah, he is telling that to peter who is mimi's co-worker and he is also a bellhop he is not any higher or lower than a maid he is probably on the same like pay level as a maid so when he's telling peter that mimi is a quote-unquote little person he's also saying that about peter so he's like insulting mimi but thinking he can just get away with that because he's telling peter but he's also insulting peter because they're co-workers (laughs) So, like, he just has no real clue who he's talking to. Like, he doesn't really understand people, you know, mm. which is really, well, very obvious from the way he behaves constantly. But that's not really something that's, like, a good quality you want in a political candidate. Someone mm-hmm. who doesn't understand how to interact with others. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just not, it's just not good. And it's just one of those things that just shows up often in this episode. He does not understand others. So he answers the door and he takes the bourbon from her and he's like, I hope you didn't have to go too far out of your way for a little old bow here. And he basically just makes a toast to her for being like one of the last flowering beauties of like... Like a Southern Belle. Southern Belle. A lot of flattery. A lot of pseudo flirting, I guess. Yeah. Um, And he does really a creepy... (laughs) Very creepy. It's so creepy. Okay. So while he's, like, flirting with her, I think, I don't know if, like, music happened in the background, but he, like, mentions 
if she likes to dance or something, but he gets behind her and like wraps his arms around her stomach like he's hugging her from behind. Mm. And it is like such an intimate gesture that is so wildly inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Like I was dying on the inside having to watch that. Mm. And she's like very giggly and acts very shy. And I'm not really sure if it's an act like Peter because mm. she has a sort of over-the-top shyness and giggliness around him. But, but I... it's not to the same degree of obviousness as Peter's is. Yeah, so it's really hard to tell where she stands. So I'm not really sure how much acting she is. There is this point where when she actually first comes back, he asks her if it was difficult to put all the things out that he gave her. All the, the political campaign stuff. And she says, oh, it wasn't a problem at all. But she says that in the same kind of way that Peter says things. Which... Mm. It almost heavily implies that she didn't hand it out to anyone and perhaps tossed it in the garbage. That's kind of the impression I got from the way she said it. Just because she says it in the same manner Peter does. Like, just, just kind of, like, a little too over the top to be taken as sincere. Exactly, yeah. So, again, she's a kind of confusing character, and we don't get to see too much of her. Yeah, so <laughs> Bogums does that very embarrassing kind of, like, just inappropriate move on her, I guess. And then they do like a little simple two-step kind of a dance thing. And then that rolling out and then a rolling back in dance move where then she knocks him over. Yeah, because we have to just jab comedy. at her weight. Because comedy. And then uh, <laughs> she knocks him over and then he lands fairly hard. And they try to get him back up. And, and Peter's watching this and just kind of has a smile on his face the whole time. Mm -hmm. Even after he gets knocked down. That's important, I think. Well, it's, that, it's just he's got a smile just kind of glued to his face. Not, uh -huh. not in a stiff way, but just in a kind of I need to be continuously smiling. I mean, uh -huh. he's definitely got that customer service thing going on. You know, like he's not going to stop smiling because then that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, Bo gets up and he's like, oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. And then he basically kind of mildly shoes them out of the room. Saying like, that she go mint the juleps, I think was his exact wording. Yeah, what the heck is a julep? <laughs> I don't know why you'd mint it, but uh, <laughs> I think it was one of those. Because he kind of gives a look to Peter like he doesn't even know what he's saying. So, Like he was just kind of guessing at the kind of work she does. Or, or just saying something to kind of imply that you should leave. But uh, yeah, And he kind of waved his hand a little bit to excuse them. Like it's not like he he's kind of kicking him out, but in a very mild way. Exactly. Like it's like, okay, that's it. I've had enough fun. Like I want to be, I want to rest now. <laughs> and then... So he, he shoes them out and he closes the door and he clutches his stomach and then he takes a shot of his bourbon and he says this, the things I do for two lousy votes. So that is a very telling statement. Oh, you want to know something even more telling? Huh? Julep is a mixed alcoholic drink. <laughs> of course it would be. <laughs> Yeah, it's a mint, and it's mint flavored. And julep is just short for mint julep. So he's also assuming Mimi's a bartender. <laughs> well, she got him the alcohol, I'll say that. Well, I guess. But she just got the bottle and some, like, cups. glasses. So that tells you a lot. But he clutches his stomach and says, oh, the things I do for two lousy votes. So we kind of get an idea of what he thinks of them. So we get a transition to Bo Gums. Before taking a shower, he's in a towel and he has a towel around his neck. I thought he got out of the shower, but apparently he's going into the shower, which I guess you need two towels for that. 
Yeah, let's ra- oh. wrap your hair in a towel before it's His even hair wasn't wet. wrapped in a towel. It was around his neck. Like, oh. he's going into the sauna. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he didn't have, like, a like a loofah or something, and he's just going to use that little towel to, like, wash himself off. It, it was the same size towel. What? But anyway, so before he takes a shower, he calls Peter and asks him to press his clothes and have his shoes shined. So he then goes into a shower singing really loudly opera, kind of, not good opera, mind you. And we see Peter in a kind of serial killer discretion (laughs) shot of him grabbing the clothes and then looking at the door. Menacingly. Exactly. And then what ends up happening is Bo Gums ends up looking out from the door and finds nobody in the room before ducking back into the bathroom. Yeah, so Peter, like, literally teleported in and teleported back out because <laughs> the second Bo had left to go into the shower room, he was already, like, in there and grabbing the stuff. So it was like he was waiting there beforehand. Like, he never left or entered the room. He just was suddenly there. So then the next scene is Bo Gums sitting on what is the weirdest piece of furniture I have ever seen. It looks like a chair, but the backrest is a mirror. And he's sitting at that in this garish oh my gosh. Underwe- underwear. It's the funniest thing ever. I can't even believe he would be wearing such a thing. It's a white tank top saying vote for Gums. And he has the ugliest boxers they're white boxers with american flags on each cheek yes and red white and blue bars going down the sides and just random sprinkling of american flags all over yeah like on one hand you might think oh that's super patriotic but he literally has two american flags on each butt cheek that actually seems, like, very rude, like, I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's hilarious, though. Like, I can't believe that would be a thing. It's got to be seen to be believed. And he also has sock suspenders, which is just quite an image. So he's sitting there and looking at the mirror chair and rehearsing a speech about joining the voters or the barbecue that he went there for. Because, oh, you know, I, I don't want to give you all a big speech. Y'all know you don't want a big speech. I'm here the, for the barbecue and yeah, yada he's yada. Like, he's, he literally says, I know you guys don't want to hear me blather on when you could be looking at pretty girls and eating barbecue. And quite frankly... So would I. And then he actually continues saying that he didn't even come here for a speech. He came here for the barbecue, which he heard like was the best in the state. Mm-hmm. And that makes you seem like such a bad candidate. You go there for like, a political rally and have nothing to say and even admit that you're only there for the food. Like, <laughs> that makes you seem like a giant leech at best, you know? Uh-huh. I just It's just so funny that he thinks it's going to help him. It, it's just really hilarious and weird. I just He's just such an odd kind of candidate. And I wonder why his campaign manager is like so unhappy with him. Uh-huh. And then he makes one of the weirdest promises. He says, oh, if I become your governor, I promise free sauce in every pot. Oh, but you know what's a real funny thing? As we'll huh. see later that that word sauce me- it doesn't mean barbecue sauce. It means alcohol. Because <laughs> not only when he says free sauce in every pot, he is he lifts his cup of bourbon when he says that. And then he laughs in a weird way 
Which would only kind of make sense if he meant a double entendre with that. To me, very specific. It's the same exact laugh he does before going, oh, but, 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 and doing the <laughs> snow miser part. Yeah, it's it that is. exact laugh. So, <laughs> so while he's giving this speech, he starts to hear, and a lot of people don't know what these are called. Some people call them street organs. Um, they're also known as calliopes, and that's what I heard them first being. You know, carnival music, that's played by a calliope slash street organ. And he starts to hear that. And he kind of is taken aback and he's looking around just like, wait, what? So then he continues his speech and then the music stops. And then once he finishes making his little practice speech and pretends to be bowing for audience applause, Peter enters the room with a vase of flowers and his clean and pressed clothes. So Bo Gums ends up calling him like Paul, thanking him for his work. And he's like, oh, it's, it's Peter, sir. And then what he does is puts the clothes in the closet for him. And then Bo Gums gives Peter a rose for Mimi. Well, I'm not sure it was a rose. It was a red flower that matched the red flower that remained in the vase. Which is kind yeah. of important for later. So then Louis calls Bo and then he tells him that he got quite a crowd. And while he's saying this, he's putting Alka-Seltzer into a cup. <laughs> this is a detail that is important for later. Yeah, it really reinforces the fact he's really stressed. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like taking medicine for his stomach. And I love the fact that I can say this is important for later because a lot of episodes don't have that. <laughs> This one has quite a bit of that, actually. A lot of build-up and payoff. So, Bo tells Louis that there's a circus in town that he doesn't want to compete with any circus. And Louis's like, uh, Bo, there is no circus in town. And Bo's like, oh yeah, well, I can hear the music. There is a circus and I want to know about it. He's like, I'm not going to compete with no circus. And Louis's like, Bo, I don't hear any music. Are you hitting that sauce again? There's the word sauce for alcohol. (laughs) And then Bo says, you don't worry about me. I want to know about that circus. And then he hangs up the phone. So he opens the closet and the music stops so he can look at his outfit. And he discovers that his suit is not the same, but rather a clown version of his original suit. So it's this light blue suit with this big bow tie and a giant comically large gums pin and various different clown-like parts of the outfit, like the little cardboard white undershirt. And Bo actually laughs at the outfit and then closes the closet door and walks away from it. But the closet door opens again. And then he's more concerned this time and he closes the closet door and he walks away and kind of laughs it off. And then it opens a third time, explicitly showing that the closet door is opening. Like the doorknob is being jiggled to open and everything. And then we see him turn around and look at the suit. And then we move on to him talking to Peter and complaining about the fact that he must have gotten the suit wrong because clearly that's not a suit. That's a clown suit. And Peter is completely oblivious to this. He's like, no, sir, that's your suit. The one you you wanted. It's done exactly the way you wanted, sir. And Bo is incredibly put off by this. And there had been a major foul up. Oh, I do want to mention, actually, that the scene opens on Peter's face saying that there's basically nothing wrong with the suit and gums is 
sitting on a chair by the closet and he's drinking more alcohol and i feel like it's kind of important when he starts drinking alcohol because this scene is very long and it had begun with him drinking alcohol so he tells him that this ain't my suit and I'm not going to use it. Give it to my opponent. <laughs> Which is a pretty funny uh, remark. Uh, and then Peter continues to assert that they are in fact his. Pointing out that they even shined his button. And it's like a white button. It's not even shiny or metal. Like It's if a fabric sh- button. It's like if someone shined it, you wouldn't be able to tell. And what Bo Gums replies, Are you on drugs, son? <laughs> And that's why it's he's so hard to hate, even though he's, like, kind of horrible. He's just really kind of funny. Uh-huh. He just has good delivery, and it's just... It makes him very likable, even though he's, like, a, kind of a bad person. Exactly. So, Peter then insists that he try on the suit and offers to help him into it. And Bo very begrudgingly agrees to do so. This just is kinda... dumb. Exactly. So he's putting on these clown pants, and they're like a hula hoop Mm -hmm. for a belt. So he puts on the clown pants, and then he gives Peter a dirty look when he's wearing the clown pants, and we hear menacing calliope music playing. And then we cut to Peter telling him that he has to wear the whole suit if he wants to get a feel for it. And then Bo tells him, well, this is ridiculous. I'm going to be the laughing stock of the whole state. If I went out like this, and that this is can't be a suit, and that this has got to be some sort of campaign trick. And if this is some kind of campaign trick, heads are going to roll. And Peter tells him that there is something off with the suit, but he can't quite place it. So Peter takes one of the flowers from the bouquet, and he places it in a little hole on the side of his suit. He's like, here, try this flower. And Bo Gums comments, you son are touched in the head. What am I supposed to do with this flower? And then we get a close-up of the flower, and the flower squirts out water. <laughs> like a comical little bucket drop kind of sound effect. Mm-hmm. And we get a very distasteful look from Bo. And uh, it's really funny, because two things about this flower. One, it's the same exact kind of flower that he had given to Peter to give to Mimi. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's like a bit of revenge there. You know, that it's that exact same flower that is now adding to his clown suit. Mm-hmm. Also, presumably, that was a normal flower while it was still in the vase. And when he puts it on, then it, like, magically gains the ability to spit water. Uh-huh. So it's, like, very abnormal here. So after the flower squirts, he makes this very, like, upset look. And it's like, that's it. I'm going to call you boss. And Peter is very... Now, this intimidating is a, at this point. He this is a says, very interesting scene of Peter's. Yeah, he says, do what you have to, but in like very calm, almost like showing his hand kind of a way. Like he knows nothing is going to come of this. And it's very clear in his tone of voice that he knows nothing is going to happen. So Bo goes up to the phone and he like makes a gesture at Peter. I'm not quite sure what it was meant to imply, but he continues on to try to get the phone to work and he's... Like, oh, hello. And then what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of fiddling with it a bit. And then this like fast paced comedic clown music starts to play as he's fiddling with it. And now it's becoming more of a comedic bit where he's trying to get this phone to work. And he like opens the mic part of the telephone, uh, the receiver. And once he takes the cap off of the mic part of the receiver, the like, Peanut brittle snakes, I think they're called. <laughs> One of those pops out. 
and it takes him by surprise, and he's just like, <laughs> all right, you win. I, I'll give you whatever you want. Just can I please have my suit back? And then Peter responds to this with, you know what, sir? I think there is something wrong. Here, let me fix it for you. Very loud wink sound effect. Yeah. And but he drops down and he fiddles with something. And we discover as the camera pans down that now Bo Gums is wearing these comedically large red and white clown shoes. And it's funny here because there's literally no way Peter could have put those shoes on him. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't move his feet at all. So he just kind of magically got those shoes on his feet. Also, he, when he actually said that he can fix what's wrong, he says this in a very sharp voice. Like, it's it still is kind of like... Customer service Customer service yeah. voice. But it's also sharper. And notably so. Like, this is kind of it barely hanging on so if i was to continue with the customer service voice metaphor here this is like being very annoyed with someone but still pretending you're not Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like this close from sliding off so that's kind of his tone of voice so if it kind of feels like the mask is slipping on peter a little bit (laughs) we get this scene it's like very uh profiles on the direct side where Bo slides his head in and he very very visually wags his finger for peter to come closer and then we get a very hilarious exchange where he's like now, I know a good joke when I see one. A lot of candidates get elected telling good jokes. But when a joke isn't funny, it becomes a joke. And I don't want to be a joke, so help me get these jokes off my feet. <laughs> to which Peter replies, But sir, the suit looks so much better with the shoes on. <laughs> and then Bo Gums goes around angrily stomping around. He's like, These ain't shoes! The water skis! <laughs> Can't you tell? Yeah, and then this is where he basically descends into clown town because exactly. you get this whole skit where he's like trying to get the shoes off his feet and he's like prancing around and tripping and screaming at his own reflection. Like he's acting it like a clown. He falls over backwards and everything. Yeah. And yeah. Then, like grabs both of his ankles at the same time and starts <laughs> hopping around like that, mm-hmm. trying to get the shoes off. And then we hear like a knock at the door. Mm-hmm. And then. He, like, comically flips around, so while he's, like, looking down with his head between his legs, from the camera angle, anyway, we see him looking at the doorway, and he asks who it is, and the voice behind the door answers that it is Louie, the campaign manager, and that he came to check up on him. And so he opens the door after a couple of looks from Peter just looking at Bo, Louis opens the door and he sees Bo bent over like that and he's incredibly concerned and Bo's all panicking. He asks him what the heck is he doing and Bo tells him that the bellboy won't let him change his clothes and Louis tells him you look fine to me it's a little late to be concerned about your appearance you know we got a campaign to go out to so Louis tells him that he had been incredibly difficult to work with and that Bo was not helping him whatsoever and that his ulcers has been burning like a fire and that he's not helping him any 
So Bo asks him, do I look all right to you? And he kind of looks at himself and he's back in his normal clothes. And Louis answers him, you really want to know the truth? And he's like, yes. And Louis's like, well, you look like yesterday's grits. Nah, you look fine, Bo. Come on, we got a campaign to win. Got a lot of people to make happy and that's not. He goes to grab this apple <laughs> out of the fruit, <laughs> fruit basket. And he's trying to amp him up. He's got this enthusiasm. He's just building up and building Being the up. Being hype like, man. And he looks at the apple and he sees the bite mark in it. And all of his enthusiasm just dies right there. And he just sadly just closes the door. <laughs> so funny. Just God. to see the light in his eyes just drain away as he realizes the apple has been bitten already. Uh-huh. So hilarious. So then Bo walks up to the mirror. Oh, an important detail before I forget. To mention the bellboy being in the room that wouldn't let him change his clothes, The Louis doesn't notice any bellboy in the room who mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to escape the room without passing Louis. So something weird is happening yeah. with him. Him at least. So basically what happened was when Louis comes into the room and Bo stands up from his like hands down position, he's wearing normal clothes and Peter is not present in the room. Even though two seconds before the door opened, he was in the clown suit and Peter was standing right next to him. Once he stands up, Peter is gone and his suit is normal. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that Bo does not see that he's wearing normal clothes because he's trying to pull it out of Louis that he's dressed weird. He did mention that he can't possibly go out looking like this. And so when he turns back to the mirror, Peter is there next to him and he's wearing the clown costume again. And this is after Louis leaves. So we know that in Bo's mind, he is seeing this, but it's not something that exists in reality. Yes. So he, uh, Peter, mentions to Bo that the costume is how he's supposed to look. And then Bo immediately like blocks his hand. He's just like, who are you? And Peter responds with, well, I'm Peter, sir. And you're Bo Gums, the happy candidate. And goes on to basically... He throws uh, all of Bo's words back at him. Yeah. Like, you're the guy who's supposed to make everyone happy. The one who's gonna help the little people. And like using everything that he had said to Peter about his campaign and kind of throws it back at him in a kind of like scathing way because he's still got that overly happy customer service voice on but it's so much more biting when he's talking like Mm -hmm. this. Like he's sort of forcing him to see what those words really mean. Exactly. he's the one saying them. So Bo says that he looks silly and then Peter responds well it's supposed to look silly and then Bo says that he's not supposed to be silly. And Peter's like, why? Don't you want to be the master showman? Don't you want to put on a good show for the little people? And then Bo's like, well, I do, I do. You know, like... The cartoon character. (laughs) Exactly. I was thinking uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. That's a very Wizard of Oz kind of thing. And then Mimi enters the room. And this is interesting because the door opens. She doesn't touch it. Mm -hmm. Just a door swings open and her hands are just in front of her. Just held together. And she says that it's time. And then Bo Gums walks up to her and asks if he looks all right. And she responds that he looks wonderful. And she kisses him. 
and did like little to no reaction. And then hard cut to Bo in a darkly lit big top in the full clown outfit, complete with makeup mm-hmm. this time. As like a bunch of colored lights are in the background, balloons are dropping, and we got circus music going on. And then we see two people walk in, two clowns, Mimi and Peter. And they're actually dressed pretty much the same way they're dressed normally, but now they have clown makeup on. Exactly. Peter's is a lot like, His is stronger. Interesting. It's like, like, it's, it's... He's got actually like full white painted face on well Mimi just kind of has more exaggerated makeup on but Mm -hmm. like not a full white face exactly yeah it's more like a French mime kind of a deal yeah and then Peter's almost kind of looks more like a mask because it's like a black outline around the white part of his face which is relatively small but Bo is just kind of waddling in the middle of it with a giant sign says vote for gums and the two other clowns the hotel workers are walking around with the boat gums signs and drum says bow gums and all that and we start to see Bo starting to lighten up to being a clown. Is he starting to enjoy it more and really starting to put on more of a show as a clown? Mm-hmm. And then we get a hard cut to the music while he's like kind of almost half circled around and then Peter says, "Mr. Gum, sir, your ride has arrived." And it's this tiny little clown car. <laughs> That's all decorated in a bunch of flags and stuff. And we have a very interesting scene with this specific spot because the music dies on all of this moment. Bogum seems really sobered up for this segment where he was kind of leaning right into being a clown. He's very lucid in this moment. And he walks up to the car and looks back and they're kind of just waving at him Mm -hmm. all half sad and clown sad. You know, (laughs) so Bo ends up climbing into the car and then we get the music starting again. At this point, he's accepted being a clown. He puts on the straw boater hat, which has got a bunch of different like American flags and stuff on it. He makes this big announcement, I guess. Like a clown would. Uh, Ringleader. Ladies and gentlemen. My my fellow Americans was another part of that. Oh, yeah. We're gonna have a good time. And then the unseen audience cheers as he drives into the darkness. Yeah, let me describe this area, though. It is in pitch black darkness, okay? (laughs) Like... Bo is in the middle of this exceedingly dark place, and there's a spotlight shining only on him, and you can kind of see things moving in and out of the background. Like, the spotlight does hit Mimi and Peter, because they, like, move into it, and you see balloons and little things, but you do not see, like, anything outside this relatively small circle of light. Now, it's always possible this is a budgetary thing. Yeah, I think it kind of is, because you can tell the grass is fake. So I'm thinking, like... I didn't even realize there was grass. Yeah, there was grass on the ground, but it looks super fake. Like, uh, golf grass. Not golf grass, like, mini golf grass. Oh, So clearly, I mean, it was probably filmed in a warehouse and they set it up this little tiny area for them to film in. But Mm. it actually lends into it feeling exceedingly claustrophobic because you get so little space to actually see where he is. And I feel like this makes you feel how very much in his own head he is. 
because mm-hmm. you can only see this little space. And even though there's this like invisible audience, they do not feel like they're really there. Mm-hmm. Probably because maybe what you're seeing doesn't match with the acoustics of how you feel it should sound like. Yeah. So it feels rather terrifying. And then when he gets into the little car, he drives off into the darkness to the point where he actually stops being visible. It honestly feels very terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I mean, for a very kind of funny and light episode, it has a really disturbing ending. Like just the way it feels with all that darkness around and how claustrophobic what's supposed to be a large field filled with people feels. And that is how the episode ends. He drives into the darkness, never to be seen again. <laughs> so, Valina, what did you think of the episode? I really liked this episode. I thought it was just, like, hilarious. And mm. I don't know about the rest of the world, but for Americans, it feels very close to home. <laughs> um, but it's just, up until my little epiphany, I felt it was just kind of about politics in general. But otherwise, it's it's really... It's really funny. I mean, I love clown episodes and horror stuff. They're always the best. And I feel like this particular episode was pretty funny, but also had that hint of sinisterness and like just this kind of threat hanging over it this whole time based off of Peter being so very insincere and having Mm -hmm. several moments that are filmed with him being outright threatening, like with the phone and him grabbing the clothes off of Bogum's bed. Like, right when he goes to the shower, it is a very slasher movie, killer POV, mm-hmm. just shot there, which makes Peter look really scary. Because, you know, if you're in the shower, like, you're really, really vulnerable. I don't know. I thought it was a, a really good episode. So, I had an idea about this episode that I kind of came into my own epiphany with, plot-wise. And I feel like this might be be pretty close to what this is really supposed to be kind of like an alternate take Hmm. now hear me out i feel like this episode is a pseudo like an alternate ending version of like a christmas carol where we get these weird supernatural entities or in this case spirits or whatever whose goal is to show our main character what is wrong with them to show them what they are Mm mm-hmm And it's up to the person to change. Now, Ebenezer Scrooge changes because he's a genuinely awful person and realizes how awful he is and decides to change. Bo Gums decides to not change. And that's evident by him basically plunging into the dark. It's basically, in a metaphorical way, it's kind of him accepting who he is but at the same time, not changing for anything. (laughs) So he kind of stays willfully the same person. So that's the part that I kind of uncovered with this whole thing about why it's important that Peter and Mimi are ghosts to some degree. I mean, they literally affected the hotel room and that she bit an apple. But all of this stuff is kind of happening in Bogum's head because they're the ones making this happen, right? Like how Ebenezer Scrooge is basically given a tour of his entire life all in one night. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think that this episode is kind of like. I think it's kind of like a Christmas carol. I feel like that makes a whole lot of sense. Because I feel like there's definitely that element of Peter trying to show him who he is. Or at least Peter is absorbing who he is. 
like the moment he says, "Oh, I understand perfectly." It's like that's the moment he really gets a full gauge of this man's character. Like when I first watched this, I kind of thought it was a kind of limbo, like Bogums was dead or like about to die or something. And Peter mainly thinks to his name being Peter. I'm like, okay, he's like St. Peter and he's judging Bo Gumps as to whether or not he get into heaven, right? So it's, well, he figured out who he is and then like Nick confronted himself and then accepts his punishment as a clown. Mm-hmm. Now, I am actually not sure if that's what St. Peter does, <laughs> like, but that's what I kind of thought. And I feel like it probably could be taken that way, maybe. Uh, but I feel like maybe even stronger than that is that it could be that this episode is more about this man's alcoholism because that it seems to be such a very strong theme in this episode with Bo Gump's constantly drinking and the weird supernatural stuff does not start until he takes his first sip of bourbon. That is actually when the weird stuff happens. Like when he drinks the alcohol, that's when he goes, the next scene, he goes into the shower and that Peter, like, teleports in, basically. And he didn't do anything supernatural previous to that. Except maybe hang up the phone when he was talking on it earlier. But mm. I'm not sure if that's necessarily supernatural. Because he didn't hear him enter. Yeah. Which so that... he had visibly left. Exactly. So it could be that it wasn't supernatural at all. But either way, the sort of... Th- well, that was pretty threatening. But the truly kind of supernatural stuff happens shortly after that right where he replaces the clothes with a clown costume but you also have his campaign manager mentioning on the phone when he's talking about the circus being in town he says i don't think that there's a circus like you're not hitting the sauce again are you Mm -hmm. and he says don't you worry about me you know get to the bottom of the circus thing and clearly bo gums has a drinking problem and i feel like that's kind of at odds with his image of being super happy. Because mm. I feel like if you have like a drug addiction or like alcoholism, you're probably not a really happy person. You're not super content with life if you end up in an addiction. Whether or not it's caused by the addiction or whatever drives you to the addiction, I don't know. I mean, it's not like I'm a specialist in addictions or anything. But I feel like he's got a lot of underlying issues that drive him to drink. And maybe that's one of the reasons why he thinks it's such an, a, a good thing to like shove happiness only in other people's faces that he wants to just hide all these issues entirely and they come back to bite him because he himself doesn't face them. He drinks and he pretends that he's happy when his campaign manager is like openly unhappy and is 100% aware of his problems with drinking with Bo's problems with drinking and is very upset by that and i feel like that's also kind of highlighted with the apples bit huh Hmm. that louis is very very forward with his unhappiness so when he even attempts to kind of fake being excited and enthusiastic it's immediately killed by the bitten apple and heck even the bitten apple could kind of represent Bo himself the fact that he presents the shiny undisturbed outside but on the other side the one hidden away and the one that his campaign manager always is the one to find is the fact that there's a bite in it that it's not perfect there's like an injury you know And I feel like that could represent how he feels about Bo in general. Just like this presented side is a lot nicer than the other side, the side that's like broken. Now, doesn't this just feel nice (laughs) to just be able to talk about the intricacies of an episode? (laughs) Isn't that just wonderful? I'm going to miss that for the next five episodes. 
And speaking of intricacies, I mentioned earlier that I feel like, considering the time era and the Nixon thing, that this could be literally referring to Ronald Reagan because he's like an actor. I probably knew that. I just like forgot. But that said, I know so very little about previous administrations that I cannot talk about that in any sort of way, shape, or form other Mm -hmm. than, oh, look, he mentioned being an actor and Ronald Reagan was an actor and was around the same time. Maybe this whoever wrote the episode hated Ronald Reagan and wanted to say that, oh, look, he's a clown. I don't know if that's true or not, but kind of felt like that for a second there. (laughs) I mean, it could be a hodgepodge of the two, Nixon and Ronald Reagan. It's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, clearly there are parallels drawn to Reagan, or else they wouldn't have done the little victory sign. You mean Nixon. Nixon, Nixon. Who did I say? You have Reagan. Oops, sorry. (laughs) Not Reagan. Uh, But Nixon, the fact that he does that, like, two peace sign things is very Nixon-y, and he's pretty much how everyone describes as, like, one of the worst presidents ever, you Uh know? So it was like the unanimously agreed bad president. You Um, know, I think I'm going to take back my earlier statement about not being very fitting with Nixon. I feel like like I initially I thought that Bo wasn't really two faced. But rewatching the episode and kind of seeing how underlyingly angry he is. Mm -hmm. And of course, the alcoholism not really helping with that. But it really goes to show that it's an appearance Mm -hmm. and not how he really is. And that is what I think is very important about the whole Nixon thing with the double peace sign thing, because that's obviously nowadays very associated with being two-faced. Exactly. That's saying one thing and doing another entirely. Mm-hmm. But with Bo in this particular instance, it's being happy and being a miserable person outside of that. Exactly. And his misery is not only shown by, like, his alcohol problem which is very explicit but like the fact that he does not know how to interact with people like the way he varies wildly on how he acts around peter like mm-hmm. he can act like he's just super energetic he can be super angry like when he first met them he was also kind of a little quieter in comparison and then that whole bit with him saying here's how i treat the little people it's like anyone with any kind of sense of tact or just just the basic knowledge you're talking to someone he knows who he's probably friends with why would you insult them to him why would you do that knowing that these people are co-workers and very likely friends it just shows like a level of not understanding how other people work, which mm-hmm. might mean that as a candidate, he's not really that happy with other people because he never mentioned anything about wanting to mingle with others and make friends. He mentions wanting to eat barbecue. So who knows if he's even happy being around people because he really didn't want to enjoy being in that small town. He wanted to get out as soon as possible. He didn't want to, he didn't want to mingle. He literally wanted to get out of well, that his town biggest as soon complaint as was that there was no people. Well, in the hotel, in the, especially in the hotel. But he doesn't view that as like a lack of socializing. He views it as a lack of people to make want to vote for him, and he only sees people and his interactions with them as tools to win. He doesn't see them as actual people whose ideas or just presence is important outside of how they can work for him. Which is why he got mad with the two lousy votes, even though he's working so insanely hard to get them to vote for him he still calls them lousy votes so it's like with that attitude why would you even bother particularly because he thinks that they're little people and they don't matter so much why are you working so hard for it then so it's got this kind of contradictory idea of the importance of others they're clearly important but just not in any other way than Uh votes so 
I'll have one closing discussion question. Do you think Bo Gums is happier with the ending of this episode? Was him turning into a clown the metamorphosis he needed to become his inner butterfly? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I feel like at the end he looked like when he put the hat on, he he had this sort of sad accepting smile on. So maybe he is happier that way, just embracing it. Because I think maybe this two-faced aspect of him is what was causing, like, I don't know, cognitive dissonance. Thinking one thing and doing another. And maybe just fully embracing it is something that would ease cognitive dissonance. Just fully accepting his own words and accepting that he is, in fact, a clown. Like, he's not better than them. He is a clown. You know? Like, he he's perfectly fine just acting like a complete fool for other people's entertainment and not that i'm trying to bash clowns clowns are awesome you keep doing what you're doing <laughs> please do it away from me because i'm afraid of clowns but you guys are great i'm not trying to bash you or clowns in general however uh bo gums has become a clown and he had been put- putting it down this whole time right this is silly this is dumb and it's like to embrace that he's embracing that part of himself he's been really denying because he's been saying it the whole time and Peter, of course, was able to convince him that all these things that you have been saying that you're doing, being a showman, entertaining the people, like all of that is you literally becoming a clown. So if you say you want to do these things, then you do, in fact, want to be a clown. So you've been putting it down, but that is actually what you want. That I know you now. Like that is that is you. And Bo Gums, he realized that that was true. And it may be sad to let go of the idea of the person he feels like he should have been. But now he is a clown and maybe he is truly happier that way. Embracing that which he used to not embrace. Also lightning round. Do you think the five stages of grief are present in this episode? I just thought of that right now. And I feel like they actually are all there. Uh, let me think of the five stages. There's like denial, denial anger, um, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Yes. Denial. I mean, yeah, he was saying that this weren't his clothes. There was definitely anger at the suit being wrong. And then there was bargaining because he could all calls on the phone. I'll give you anything you want. want. Give me my suit back. And then there was, I'm not sure if there was depression though. Like, was he sad? I mean, I guess maybe he was. It's the part earlier than that. Like, I look silly. I'm not supposed to be silly. Yeah, yeah, I guess that would be depression. And then acceptance acceptance would be at the the end. So So there really are. We got Christmas Carol. We got Nixon. And we <laughs> the five stages of grief, all in one episode. Yes. So this episode has a lot of interpretations. It's got a little bit of something for everyone. Yes. You can look at this episode in multiple ways and pull something out of it. You could even have, I'm not sure how deeply I went into this, the fact that he's alcoholic. He's very clearly an alcoholic. This could be his descent into that. But I really like this acceptance into being a clown. I feel like I like looking at this in this more positive way. Like, Uh he's embraced who he is. He's become a clown. And it's wonderful. He's probably not going to win the campaign, but he'll be happy that he's entertained people mm-hmm. you know or maybe he becomes the governor of kentucky or wherever the heck <laughs> he is and makes really happy yeah, he becomes the governor of dixieland <laughs> yeah um, whoever his vice governor is <laughs> is there a vice governor you think i'd know this <laughs> is there like a second fiddle to the governor aren't they mayors no that's the like, governor is a state i'm pretty Isn't sure townships go- the 
No, no, no. The governor's office. They have people in their little cabinet, but I don't know what the titles of them are. Like, it was forever since I took a political science class, and I don't remember anything other than there is a governor, and he has a blue pen, and he can, like, mark stuff off in the little bills and stuff and say, yeah, I like this whole thing except for this one. This one goes. The rest of it stays. That's the only thing I retained. At least it was the important stuff. Yes. (laughs) So, I got a question for you. Hmm? Take any of our theories. It doesn't really matter which. You can pick and pull from. You can use yours who and or what are peter and mimi you know i want to say that there's something like the spirits of christmas and like that they're spirits that exist possibly within the hotel itself or just kind of existed because of bogums that are like guiding spirits that are meant to get him on the right path to what he's supposed to be or you know at least to help him reach acceptance for what he is like, I feel they're much more task-orientated with what's going on in the episode than just being general ghosts. Because I feel like they don't really exist outside of Bogums. Yeah, I kind of feel like that too. Even though they can somewhat affect the world around them, I feel like they're kind of just in his head. Not that they're necessarily not real, mm-hmm. but I believe they purely exist in his mind. Like, he's the only one who can see them. But they exist kind of only for him. And they can leave the hotel because they're out in the little rally with him. But we don't even know if that's outside of the hotel or not. True. I this is, well, that part's all in his head because if, there's literally nothing else to tell us it isn't. Well, here's the thing. If Louie is real, and I believe he is, mm-hmm. there's no... He would drag Bo Gums kicking and screaming to that rally. So he's definitely at a rally. Now, what we are seeing is only in Bogum's head, but Mm. he's likely in an actual rally. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. So we're seeing the version of the rally that Bogum's is seeing, but they are there with him. So let's assume the rally is outside the hotel, like a park, because that's where I am imagining it. Wait. He mentions... No, because the limo was to get him out of... to the rally, right? No, it's to get him out of the town. Because he was trying to get to the barbecue. No, he he does want to go to the barbecue, but he mentions on the phone with Louie that he wants that limousine ready as soon as possible to get him out of the small town once the whole rally is over. So he does not want to stay there. So the limousine is what takes him out of the town, which is why it's such a thing when they say goodbye to him at the end. The little little clown car takes him. My fault. (laughs) It's fine. I forget things all the time. So they're definitely with him at the rally. I think the rally's at the park because he mentioned barbecues. I don't know if a small town hotel would be big enough to host any kind of a rally on a hotel grounds. So it'd probably be at like a park or maybe even a town hall. So, Valina, where would you rate this on a five-star rating system? (laughs) Okay, you know, I initially gave this like a three- and a half stars but it's four stars a solid four stars because i am a wee bit biased towards scarier episodes i probably would have given it that extra half star had it been a bit scarier but i do really love it i love how silly it is and how kind of serious it is as well you know but Mm. like most importantly i really do love all of the things you can talk about this episode like there's so many Mm. ways of looking at it but there's no real answers like all of our things are kind of theory i mean there are theories we have no real way of proving them they're just kind of up for grabs you can really try to dig into what this episode is and of course everyone's performances are really awesome i think honestly i'm removing like the half star there just because i'm not gonna lie that bit dancing with mimi was very cringeworthy it just kind of kills me she just really didn't deserve to be treated like she does it's only four stars because that it was probably there to make Bo seem like a worse 
person, but I believe some of it's also just the episode thinking it's funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. So four stars from that, but it is a really good episode otherwise. Yeah, I would highly recommend this episode. Like Bo Gum sounds like an incredibly awful person just throughout, but he's got this charm to him that always makes him unhateable. Yeah, like, he might be a real fun person to invite to your barbecue. Yes. But, like, not to be actual <laughs> friends with. Definitely not a drinking buddy. Yeah, heck no. So, Valina, why don't you tell us about the next episode? The next episode is not good. It is an episode called Levitation, mm. and it is about this giant man baby who <laughs> gets really mad when a magician at this really insanely cheap circus does not perform the trick he wanted him to perform. And he spends the whole episode crying about it. And it's so annoying. And it's just not fun. Like, he's the main character. You're stuck mostly watching him. And he just he's just a self-entitled little man baby. And I just... Ah, it's a very frustrating episode. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Valina... Where can you find our rallies? Well, you can come to our rallies on Instagram at This House Podcast. Or if you want to send your support, you can do so by sending it to thishousepodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes.com. It'll help us out significantly. And then we can guarantee sauce in every pot. <laughs> Not barbecue sauce. <laughs> So I actually think all the fireworks stopped before we started recording. So we didn't have any of them to show you guys. I'm sorry. We promised fireworks and we gave you nothing. (laughs) There we go. At the very least, our little Gatsby's happy about that. (laughs) That's all for tonight's episode. So voters, before we make clowns out of ourselves... human faces to blend into society. Well, we're clowns. You are too. No, no, you, 